This is the year in music on 680 CJOB. Hello and welcome to the Music Year in Review 2020 on 680 CJOB. I am Tristan Field Jones and I'm Kyle Milroy, just another normal year 2020. Perfectly normal, Kyle. Nothing at all happened that would have affected the way music music is made or produced or distributed or seen. Exactly. I mean, you know, we definitely went to obviously everyone this is all sarcasm in the extreme we have <laughs> for those to, who don't know us yes. for those who don't who for those who aren't aware there has been a pandemic obviously and uh, as we do our year in review here we will certainly be discussing you know how that's impacted music some of the great music to come out of the pandemic and a lot of artists in isolation and i don't know about you Kyle but i found that just a, a lot of the stuff that was released this year was and and I can't necessarily attribute this directly to the pandemic, but a lot of it was just really good. It was. It hit harder. It just seemed to resonate more closely to the heart. It also helped that a lot of artists of a certain age and older uh, released really solid or even fantastic albums. We will be talking about that later in the show for sure. And we'll also have our pandemic listening playlists, album review, reviews, of course, and a sneak peek to 2021, hopefully a better year. But first... We lost a huge music legend this year, Little Richard, dead May 9th, 2020, at the age of... 87, considered one of the architects of rock and roll, one of the first crossover black musicians as well. Let's bring in one of our friends and colleagues, Jeff Courier, here to chat about the legacy of Little Richard. And, you know, Jeff, I think, especially nowadays, we tend to maybe underestimate some of the rock and roll greats. But it's worth noting that when Little Richard was touring Europe, the Beatles opened for him. I mean, that's how famous he was at that time. Yeah, Little Richard was, I think... As a pure rock and roller, maybe the best ever. I mean, Elvis was great, but Little Richard as a pure rock and roller, I think, was the greatest of all. Chuck Berry might have been the greatest lyricist, the greatest songwriter, but for a guy who could come out and absolutely destroy an audience and, and kill a rock and roll song, Little Richie Penniman was the guy. What do you think is his legacy for rock and roll, for music, for whatever? wop bop a loop bop a lop bam boom who writes lyrics like that uh but yeah he just this uh the 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 scream before the sax solo uh the energy the you know the pompadour the the flash and the showmanship that he had was amazing i mean and unfortunately at the time because he was black he had a hard time getting on white radio stations. They were, it was still that divide in those days in the 50s of what they called the race catalog, which is, you know, black records go over here and they play on a black radio station and white records go on the white radio stations. And so you get Pat Boone singing Tutti Fruity to the white kids instead of it's Little Richard doing it, which would have been way better. All right, Jeff. Thank you very much. Tristan, what pops in your head when you hear the phrase Guitar Hero? Oh, you know, there are a lot of people who could fit that, Kyle, but 
I think Eddie Van Halen would be right, right up there. That is the correct answer, Tristan. Okay. <laughs> For several generations of people, right. Eddie Van Halen was the guitar hero. Eddie Van Halen passed away October 6th at the age of 65. He was widely cited as one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Eddie Van Halen popularized the guitar finger tapping technique. He did not invent finger tapping, though. There's been flamenco guitarists that have been doing it for a century before Eddie, but he definitely brought it to the mainstream. Have you heard of finger tapping before? It's the sound that you hear in the face-melting solo in Eruption and Panama and many other songs that Eddie Van Halen did. He's not only considered one of the greatest of all time, I would say along with Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, uh, Van Halen is most responsible for the sound of hard rock and heavy metal. Not only that, but he's an excellent songwriter and hired gun, most famously lending his skills to Michael Jackson for the guitar solo in Beat It. Tristan, I don't know when you first discovered Eddie Van Halen, but when I did, he certainly just completely blew my mind in high school. You know, I, I discovered him later on. Obviously, Kyle and I are, are a little bit separate in terms of our age. Let's just put it that way. Thank you for being so diplomatic. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, 2020 may have taught me something. <laughs> but it's, you know, I, I discovered him later, obviously. And, and I was immediately caught by, you know, Van Halen as a band overall at at the, the blend of, it was arguably heavy metal, but there was a strong kind of pop feel to it as well. It's like you're hearing the shredding guitar solo, and yet it's a catchy, danceable tune that's backed by 80 synthesizers. Yep. Like, it, it shouldn't work, and yet it it really did. And let's be honest, Kyle, Van Halen defined heavy metal and hard rock for the 80s. Well, and uh, usually a guitar virtuoso of that stature, um, they kind of go in one direction. If you're talking about like people like Malmsteen or Joe Satriani or Steve Vai, they really just kind of go insular and just make songs just specifically to showcase their talent and Eddie Van Halen certainly could have done that but he decided to team up with a great lead singer from a theatrical aspect David Lee Roth might be the worst like talent wise lead singer if you're just talking actual singing ability but he was charismatic and of course uh, Michael Anthony who provides some of the best uh, backing vocals in rock and then his brother Alex Van Halen so he uh he went to the pop direction and it uh, it worked out for him when he auditioned for Rush in 1974 to replace their original drummer John Rutsey well Neil Peart arrived in an old battered Ford Pinto with his drums stored in trash cans. Now, Peart felt the entire audition was a complete disaster. Not exactly the most glamorous start to someone who would become one of the world's greatest drummers of all time. However, despite the initial setback, he joined Rush only two weeks before their first U.S. tour, and that actually turned out to be quite the success. You know, Kyle, we were talking about Eddie Van Halen. Well, I think Neil Peart, when it comes to the drums, is without a doubt on a similar level. I mean, I don't think even people who aren't fans of Rush would have a tough time disagreeing with Neil Peart being one of the greatest drummers of all time. I think you're right, Tristan. Even apart from uh, sort of the main drummer gods like John Bonham and uh, Keith Moon, Neil Peart is up there just in terms of the respect he gets from other musicians as well. And yeah, you're right. Even if people aren't fans of Rush, which there are certainly a good amount, uh, they have to just sort of concede the musicality of a drummer of his stature. It's just a 
incredible. And again, as I mentioned with Eddie Van Halen before, easily the ability to kind of go insular and just make music for himself and show off his drum skills, which he, he liked to show off his drum skills, but he was able to kind of do it in a relatively pop setting. Well, and what's interesting about that, Kyle, is that, you know, despite quite a career for Neil Peart, more than 20 years after joining Rush, so we're talking the mid-90s, he decided to take drum lessons with legendary jazz instructor Freddie Gruber. And it was during this time that he revamped his playing style by incorporating jazz and swing components. I mean, how many people, forget music, how many people in any career, when they're 20 years into that, decide, you know what, I'm going to change everything that I'm doing here. Neil Peart did not have to do that. He did not have to change his playing style, but he wanted to push himself. He wanted to change himself. And, you know, sh- sure enough, it just went to show that the the hardworking guy that he was, the perfectionist that he was. A- and again, can you think of any other musicians that have done something like that, basically transformed their career so far into it? I, I Off the top of my head, I can't. I'm sure there are some examples, no, there but I can't. No, there must be somebody. Yeah, none come to mind. And you're right, just being able to, like, the ability to rest on your laurels is right there for so many yeah. bands. And to be like, oh, let's go out and play the hits and be a jukebox and whatever else but to keep making good music and to keep changing it up and maybe he was doing it for you know physical reasons too because you know certain ways like athletes will reinvent their like golf swings and stuff like that to try and you know uh, last a little bit longer you know keep their body in good shape he was uh he was not above doing that and that's definitely something that would, that's a, definitely a humbling experience for sure for him to go and take drum lessons like that and in late 2015 Peart said he was essentially retired from music and in early 2018 Rush disbanded a couple years ago we did a tribute to to Rush as, as a fan I was hoping there'd be some more material from the trio especially considering how great their latest albums are but Obviously, that will not happen. And it's worth noting, too, like, Neil Peart, even though he was the drummer for one of the biggest rock bands of all time, he really wasn't a rock star. Like, as an example of how private he was, he died from an aggressive form of brain cancer that was diagnosed three and a half years earlier, but the illness was a closely guarded secret until his death. In fact, Neil Peart died January 7th, but his death wasn't announced until January 10th. That just goes to show... The type of private person he was he was he loved drumming and he loved doing that in front of a crowd but otherwise i don't think glamour or stardom was something that he was ever ever after even despite the fact that he did get it so neil peart one of the greatest drummers of all time dead at 67 in 2020 So, Kyle, we have a bunch of other notable deaths that we want to quickly cover here. Yes, Tristan, quite a number of notable artists passed away in 2020. Frederick Nathaniel Hibbert, a.k.a. Toots Hibbert from Toots and the Maytals, was one of the most prominent reggae artists of all time. He passed away in September at the age of 77. He had been making music since 1961. Another pop reggae artist, Johnny Nash, passed in October at the age of 80. Nash had a huge hit in 1972 with I Can See Clearly Now and was one of the first non-Jamaican artists to record reggae music in Kingston. Ken Chin, a.k.a. Mr. Chai Pig, charismatic lead singer of Canadian punk band SNFU, died in July. He was only 57. SNFU was fond of putting on chaotic live shows, which routinely involved whipped cream and other substances. 
Bill Withers was a singer-songwriter born on the 4th of July in Slab Fork, West Virginia. Talk about a town name. He had several major hits in the 70s and 80s, like Ain't No Sunshine and Just the Two of Us, and he's in both the Songwriters and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He died in March at the age of 81. Ennio Morricone was one of the most famous film composers of all time, writing the score for such legendary films as The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, The Thing, Once Upon a Time in America, and The Untouchables. Wikipedia lists him under 331 projects in total. He finally won his first Oscar for Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight in 2016. Kenny Rogers, whose recording career started way back in 1956, and who had a second career as a restaurateur, building up his Kenny Rogers Roasters franchises around North America, passed away in March at the age of 81. Rogers had many huge hits, including The Gambler, Lady, Lucille, and Islands in the Stream, a duet with Dolly Parton. Country music legend Charlie Pride passed away on December 12th after contracting COVID-19. Pride released over 60 albums, selling more than 25 million records during a career that began in the mid-1960s, and he was the first black member of the Country Music Hall of Fame. Pride performed just last month at the CMAs where he was presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Two underrated singer-songwriters I also wanted to highlight here. Adam Schlesinger, lead singer of the band Fountains of Wayne, released five albums between 1996 and 2011. They're best known for the hit single and video Stacy's Mom. In addition to that, Schlesinger wrote songs for a handful of films, including the title track for That Thing You Do. He passed away on April 1st due to complications from COVID-19 at age 52. And lastly, John Prine, multiple Grammy award-winning folk singer, active for over 50 years writing and touring, nearly 20 albums released, passed away at the age of 73 due to complications from COVID-19. Prine was set to play the 2020 Winnipeg Folk Festival back in the summer. All right, and up next... Kyle and I are going to take you through our pandemic listening playlists. You know, I was kind of surprised about some of the music that I was really drawn to, especially as the first wave began and there was so much uncertainty. But in retrospect, it kind of makes sense, especially since we see how much comfort music has emerged this year. And I think for obvious reasons. Anyway, you're listening to the music here in Review 2020 here on 680 CJOB. The Year in Music on 680 CJOB. This is The Year in Music on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the Music Year in Review for 2020. I'm Kyle Milroy. And I'm Tristan Field-Jones. We are talking about pandemic listening. Music that we either discovered during the pandemic or that we returned to during the pandemic. And Tristan, you were a teenager once, I assume, right? Sure. <laughs> Thanks for playing along. Um, many a night in high school for me was spent playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater on my PlayStation 1. <laughs> Well, now that I am an adult, finger quotes, mm -hmm. uh, what have I been doing with my spare time, you might ask? Playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater on my PlayStation 4. So there's a slight difference there. <laughs> the remastered game was released in September and 
features songs by the Dead Kennedys, Bad Religion, Sublime, Papa Roach, Fu Manchu, Lagwagon, Rage Against Machine, Primus, A Tribe Called Quest, and so many more. And I got sucked into the game for a few months in September. And just all the music brings back such fond memories of playing it. And there's some good new tunes, too, from uh, MXPX and uh, Alex Leahy. It's just so much fun. And just to get sucked into a game for a couple hours and not get tired of any of the songs. And it's all just, it's good, it's good clean fun, as they say, Tristan. Well, you know, Kyle, when the pandemic first hit Manitoba back in March, one of the things that I immediately turned to was music. I mean, I listen to music so often, hours almost every single day. And one of the surprising things to me is that it, it was almost, and maybe this happened to you too, but it was almost instinct. It was almost like, no, I want to listen to this band. I couldn't quite explain it, but it was just something that I had to listen to. And for some reason, and Kyle, maybe you can help me explain this too. I, at the beginning, I was listening to a ton of Oasis. Yeah, I love Oasis. At least the first couple albums. Well, yeah, the first couple of the, the others are kind of train wrecks, but like the first <laughs> few albums and a lot of their singles in in the '90s were were just so good. And yet, it, it, it's funny because normally during the pandemic, you might expect maybe more low key stuff, maybe you know more acoustic folk or classical or ambient or that sort of thing, which I, I definitely listen to. But for me, I kept coming back to Oasis. Maybe it's the bombast of it all. Maybe it's the melodic. Uh, uh, songwriting maybe it's just the big ideas that are conveyed in these songs where lyrics really don't mean much but you feel them you know i I don't know but it was just i I kept coming back to oasis time and time and time again i also went on real tear where i just started you know my, my knowledge and appreciation of a lot of 80s and 90s alternative rock was a little bit lacking like i i knew enough of it but i really delved right in there and another band that I actually, you know, they're known uh, for really one hit here in North America, but they're so much bigger than that, especially in the UK, was The Verve. Bittersweet Symphony course, is a huge yeah. hit, but I listened to their discography, and especially their, their first album, which is very kind of shoegazy and, and very ambient, and it's uh, uh, it, it's interesting how they went from that to sort of this anthemic pop group, and I, I found that fascinating, and I kept going back and back just listening to that because it was so, again, it was so atmospheric, it was so relaxing, I guess, and it, it just seemed to be such a contrast from the world of chaos that we were we were dealing with i listened to a lot of stuff by rem smashing pumpkins even some lesser known kind of uh, brit pop groups like pulp or uh, suede or um uh divine comedy like a bunch of those sort of lesser known groups i really kind of got into and, and and tried out a little bit but um that was just the stuff that really spoke to me during this. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of that Britpop stuff where you get one hit over here, like the Verve or something like the Stone Roses or, um, yeah, Pulp, you mentioned Pulp or uh, Corner Shop, bands like that who were just like, they have a little blip in North America, but then they go and play Glastonbury 
every year in the UK. So that's that's really cool. I'm glad you got back into that. Another band, speaking of the UK, uh, I got back into is because of a video game. Again, thank you, NHL 21. Mm. It's a band called Idols. <laughs> They're super high-energy punk bar band from Bristol, England, whose lead singer, Joel Talbot, he sings passionately about subjects like toxic masculinity, immigration, depression, gender inequality, and inclusivity, but don't turn your dial in a way that doesn't get bogged down in preachiness. It's just kind of really bare bones, good rock and roll. Who knows if they're ever tour here, but I'd definitely be first in line to see them in concert or really anything in concert at this point. I'm just, I need to see some shows. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I was hoping to see the Black Keys and the Sheepdogs. Sheepdogs are opening for the Black Keys uh, here uh, in, I think that was in May, and I'd never seen either of those groups live, so I was really hoping to see them, and obviously that didn't happen, so... <laughs> well, well, maybe next year, Tristan. Well, maybe. We'll, uh, we'll see. Okay, so here's a bit of a weird one. Uh, let me explain. First, Tristan, did you listen to the song from Sun that I sent you? It was, so It was 19 minutes long, by the way. Yes, I, I did listen to it, at least I think. Um, the band name Sun O... What is that? It, right it's apostrophe? S-U-N-O, bracket, bracket, bracket. It's just called Sun. Okay. Uh, they're a drone metal duo whose members, Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson, both play guitar for very long periods of time in a way that lulls you into a type of... Serenity, I want to say. Honestly, if I'm reading a book or writing something or just like playing like a trivia game on the computer, I'll put on sun and just kind of let it wash over me. It has that just very kind of quality. There's some some of the stuff they have is a little bit more jarring and black metal-y with some of the vocalists they choose to work with. But yeah, a lot of it is just like really just, I don't know what it is. You hear, you're listening to it now. It just sort of, washes over you and just waves and waves of guitar it, it's just it's nice it, it's weird to call it nice but it just feels nice after a while yeah well along those lines and and this is a group and i know i mentioned them to you before kyle but you know I, i'm a little bit more into kind of the kind of the traditional ambient stuff there's a group called hammock and they do a lot of post-rock ambient uh, music and more recently, they started incorporating orchestral elements and choirs, and it's not stuff you put on, you know, when you're at the club or, you know, when you're at a, a restaurant or something, whenever we get back to those, but it is so relaxing and so ethereal that it really helped me just relax. I, I highly recommend them. If you're looking for music to play in the background, or it's been a long day and you just want to listen to something relaxing, look up Hammock. You can find them on Apple Music, Spotify. You can find a lot. They The band uploads a lot of their stuff on YouTube, so they're very easy to find. I highly, highly recommend them. And of course, Kyle, we can't end this segment without us both mentioning one of our all-time favorite bands, The War on Drugs. Yeah, I know. It's just we both like them a heck of a lot. Uh, I got into them, I think, in 2014. I didn't know them before then, but they made every year-end list near the top, so I was like, oh, I better check this band out. And they're just excellent. And they put out a live album a few weeks ago called Live Drugs that is amazing and fantastic. I've already listened to it a bunch of times. I don't like live albums that much. Something about this live album got to me. Maybe it's because it's it's mixed together like one concert, but it's for, it's picked apart from you know several years' worth of shows, which means it's 
you know, top-notch versions of every song. And yeah, I always tell people, listen to War on Drugs if you're not listening to War on Drugs. And most of the people don't know what I'm talking about, but I say, just listen to it. And I give them a couple song selections or just tell them, just check it out. Let me know. I bet you'll enjoy it. Now, having said all that, up next, we're going to review albums that were released this year in this year of 2020 that was just beyond unusual and strange that resulted in a lot of surprises and a lot of great stuff to be honest but have to stay tuned for that it's Tristan Field Jones and Kyle Milroy with you on the music year in review on 680 CJOB The Year in Music on 680 CJOB. This is the Year in Music on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the Music Year in Review on 680 CJOB. I'm Tristan Field-Jones. And I'm Kyle Milroy. And let's start by taking a look at some of our favorite albums from 2020. And Kyle, it finally happened. What happened? It was only a matter of time, but it is almost impossible, especially nowadays, to do a Music Year in Review without talking about Taylor Swift. bit of backstory i guess now taylor swift 15 years ago now i guess was known as being kind of a a country pop artist who released a lot of albums that were designed mainly for teenage girls and i will say there's absolutely nothing wrong with that in fact the music that she was sending to you know teens and pre-teens was a lot better than i think a lot of the pop music of the day but you know she got a lot of accolades for that but you know i i wasn't a teenage girl so it never really spoke to me so again Nothing wrong with doing that, but that was never anything that I was personally interested in. And then eventually, she ended up into pop music, and honestly, Kyle, as you and I have touched on several times beforehand, a lot of her pop stuff was just awful. I'm like, there's no other way for me to put it. It was unlistenable, it was kind of catty, it was going after the haters, and it was just tiring and boring. (laughs) I don't take quite a hard stance as you do. I understood that it was like good for what it was set out to be but it didn't speak to me at all right so a lot of people were completely surprised when she dropped an album called folklore that did away with all of that there are some pop elements to it and there's you know some synthesizers and and drum machines a little bit but it's mostly a folk album recorded primarily in isolation and you know what kyle i can confidently say that uh this is easily one of my favorite albums of the year without a doubt uh, I, I can't believe I'm saying that about a Taylor Swift <laughs> album, but I have to be 100% honest. Uh, I love the production. I love the way it sounds. I love, love, love the songwriting. You know, there's one song where she talks uh, about an American socialite known as Rebecca Harness, one of the wealthiest women in U.S. history. And she tells a story about her. She creates these characters in these songs. 
You know, the tune that's playing in the background right now, it's called Seven. That's my favorite track off the album. It's, you know, when you read the lyrics, it's it's really human, but it's also heartbreaking. It's, it's about uh, two kids, and, and one of them is suspected to be an abused child. She weaves these stories and these characters so effortlessly throughout the album that it, it, it almost feels like it's just one big storybook. I, I can't really describe it, but honestly, Kyle, I, I would not... If you had told me a year ago that I'd be sitting here praising a Taylor Swift album, I don't think I'd believe it, and yet... You know, and and without question, she was always talented, Mm -hmm. but it's just, I think those talents at times went to waste, but this album really did prove how much of an amazing songwriter she is. And again, I I know this may sound strange, but if you like folk music, if you like that kind of quiet indie stuff, uh, I would highly recommend Folklore by Taylor Swift. It it genuinely is as good as a lot of people are saying. And much credit goes to Aaron Desner from The National, who uh, helped write a lot of the songs with Taylor Swift. That just shows the big... uh, that's where a lot of the maturity comes from, I think, and her being able to collaborate with many different people. And on top of all that, Kyle, on December 11th, Swift released another album, this one called Evermore, but it's got songs taken from the same folklore writing sessions. I haven't had much of a chance to listen to it. From what I've heard, it maybe isn't quite as striking as the earlier album, but it's still well done, well produced, some good songwriting, some effective storytelling. I really like the indie folk production that she's continuing to use. I think I prefer folklore, but again, it it really goes to show that, say what you will about Taylor Swift, very few artists can release, you know, more than two hours of musical content in less than a year, in a matter of months. And overall, it's quite good. I I think that really speaks to her talent as a singer and a songwriter. All right, Kyle, what's first up on your list? Punisher is the second and latest album from Phoebe Bridgers, who at age 26 is pretty much on top of the music world. Bridgers received four Grammy nominations recently, including Best Rock Song, Best Alternative Music Album. And for someone who's been called the Joni Mitchell of her generation, the awards and praise are both richly deserved. Someday I'm gonna live in your house up on the hill And when your skinhead neighbor goes missing I'll plant a garden in the yard, then they're gluing roses. Punisher is a pretty heavy album, both emotionally and lyrically, as she was influenced by such far-reaching things as Elliot Smith, author Joan Didion, the podcast My Favorite Murder, and the loss of her 16-year-old pug, Max. But don't let the morose subject matter scare you. There's still hope in this record. I can listen to it anytime, not just when I'm feeling down or gloomy it's got a little bit of funny cheeky writing in it it's just a really well produced well done album and again phoebe bridgers is only 26 so i expect a lot more really cool and big things from her in the future pearl jam released an album this year what i know it's Um, just crazy like this calendar year 2020 pearl jam released an album and I had completely forgot about it till you mentioned it last month. Well, it, and it has been certainly one of those decades, sorry, years. <laughs> but 
you know, I honestly don't have a lot to say about Gigaton, which is not necessarily a good thing, Kyle. I mean, you know, usually a Pearl Jam album, you're supposed to talk about it and, and, you know, enjoy it and understand, yeah, the themes they're going for. And yet Gigaton kind of just left me, eh. Yeah, I I will say I liked it better than Lightning Bolt, their last one that they came out with. Um, That was back in 2013. Uh, Gigaton had at least a couple of sort of out there choices because the last few albums have just been really just like you know four on the floor guitar rock and that's fine that's they're good at that um but songs like uh dance of the clairvoyance at least have a bit of they're at least kind of trying some new things whether or not they work is another discussion obviously but i mean anytime you get a new pearl jam record it's a good thing even if they're even if the record itself isn't great because in a normal year that means they'd be touring and so you could get a chance to see pearl jam live and in concert and of course, because 2020 is 2020, that isn't happening right now. And, you know, it's interesting because Pearl Jam incorporates drum machines a little bit, more synthesizers, so you hear them doing more experimental stuff, and, and maybe it's a bit uneasy to hear that, but ultimately, I'm always on board when a musician chooses to, or band chooses to change things up. Uh, and yet, I was expecting more, for lack of a better term, vitriol, more energy, you know, you heard their albums in the mid-2000s when George Bush was president, and you heard just how, you know, ticked off and angry they were with the world. It came through in their music, and, and whether or not you agree with their politics, they made great albums feeding off of that. And yet, I would have expected, especially, you know, in a year like 2020, and and the years leading up to that, I would have expected something similar from Pearl Jam, just some, some great, uh, you know, hard rock. And there's some of that, but... Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's just like maybe maybe that's and maybe that's on us. Maybe our expectations were too high and they were just going to do the record they were going to do. Again, it's a Pearl Jam album, so it's not bad. But uh, yeah, maybe it could have been a bit more. All right. Well, Kyle, for your next review here, we're really shifting gears. This week on Yankee and the Brave. Back at it like a it, Mr. Black Magic If I told you my favorite album from 2020, it was the most urgent, prescient album released during the pandemic. It dealt with heavy subject matter like police brutality, systemic racism, wealth inequality, and modern day slavery. You'd assume that'd be a pretty rough album to listen to, right? Uh, Probably, yeah. (laughs) Maybe not exactly the most pleasant listen. Yes. What if I told you that it was also the most alive, energetic, and fun album of 2020? It's the fourth album from rappers Killer Mike and LP, Run the Jewels 4. The most talked about song, Walking in the Snow, deals with the killing of Eric Garner by New York Police, whose last words were, I can't breathe. Run the Jewels 4 was released a week after the death of George Floyd, a Philadelphia man who was killed by police after having his neck knelt on for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. His last words were also, I can't breathe. The song is still as powerful today as it was the first time I heard it. And usually the lowest scores, the poorest, and they look like me. And every day on the evening news, they feed your fear for free. And you so numb, you watch the cops choke out a man like me. Until my voice goes from a shriek to whisper, I can't breathe. And In addition to that, the album's chock full of hard-hitting songs and expertly placed guests, including 2 Chains, DJ Premier, Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, Mavis Staples, and Pharrell Williams, easily my 2020 album of the year. We interrupt your death metal to bring you some heavy news. The good news is, you're the coolest people in the world. Yes. The bad news is, the world is over. Hey, 
Hey there. So this is the podcast exclusive extreme music section of the show. And you could probably hear why. Let's talk about Napalm Death for a moment. You've heard the name before. They are one of the top selling extreme music acts of all time. Did you know they will be celebrating their 40th anniversary as a band next year? Wow, 40 years. Now, the foursome, you know, wasn't around for the entire 40 years. But since the early 90s, they've been going strong and touring hard. And their 16th album, Frozen Joy in the Jaws of Defeatism, is as ferocious as any from a band half their age. Napalm Death incorporate bits of melody and write actually distinct songs, and they've added some more noise rock elements to their arsenal. But they mainly deal in fast and loud, and at this rate, there is zero sign of them slowing down. is the latest album from New York's Imperial Triumphant, and boy is it a lot. Combining a bass coat of black metal with avant-garde jazz, prog rock, classical music, and whatever else is in the kitchen sink, Alphaville is a very intense but ultimately rewarding listen, even if maybe I recommend you not listen to them while operating heavy machinery. A feedback-heavy space sci-fi metal band from Illinois released their first album in over two decades this summer called Inlet. Hum never hit it big in the 90s, but they went on to influence bands like Deftones, and it's just nice to see them return to form without missing a beat after being away for so long. It seems hard to believe, but death metal has been around long enough for there to be a category of music known as old school death metal. One of the leaders in that subgenre is Necros from Oakland, California, whose latest album, Mortal, sounds fresh out of 1992, complete with primitive riffs, no click track drums, and a sludgy mix that doesn't sound polished to death by Pro Tools. And coming full circle back to Napalm Death-style grindcore, but with a lot less experimentation thrown in, I introduce you to Gulch. From Santa Cruz, California, Gulch have only been together for four years. Impenetrable Cerebral Fortress is their first full-length, if you consider eight songs in 16 minutes a full-length, which I do. But, by the way, Gulch play, I highly doubt they can keep up that energy and intensity much longer than 20 minutes. If you like fast, angry hardcore music, Gulch is the new band for you. Try to 
Kristen, what did you think of all that heavy music I sent you? Did you listen to all of it? Okay, I, I need to be crystal clear on this part here. Uh, Kyle prefaced some of this stuff as being, you know, oh, it's kind of jazzy or it's kind of whatever. Could you explain to me what part of this was jazzy? Was it when, you know, Satan was having a bowel movement? <laughs> or was it when the garburator wasn't working properly? Hey, discordance I consider jazzy when it's just like, <laughs> when you can barely make out what's happening. That's what I consider. But yeah, all five of those albums, check it out. It's always fun to check out some extreme music, even if you don't like it. You know, push your comfort zone a little bit. How dare you? All right, so let's move on to a feature we're going to call do they still have it because a lot of huge huge names in classic rock released some albums this year and we're going to briefly take a look at them up first let's start with bob dylan rough and rowdy ways now kyle you were previously mentioning mentioning that run the jewels that would be your favorite album of the year for me i think it has to be Bob Dylan. I couldn't argue with you, Tristan. It's so good. I, I totally slept on this because I, I think like most, the last little while, like you, Bob Dylan will put out an album and then like all the scholarly people or like Rolling Stone will give it four and a half or five stars. And you, right. just go, you just go, oh, come on. It can't be that good, guys. Come on. You just kind of are in bewildered that they're giving it that high praise. And then Tristan sent me a couple songs from Bob Dylan and I listened to it because I'm like, oh, I really hadn't listened to him in a while apart from just, you know, you hear you know, the times they are changing on the radio or just right. somewhere. And I'm like, okay, I know what Bob Dylan sounds like. It's an astonishing album. It's so good. He's near 80 years old and he's cracking jokes and just the way he he leans into his voice and just his life and how he sings now. It's just, it's so good. I was just like, I was blown away by how it made my top 10 list of albums um, that I, I put on Twitter the other day just were talking about it. But it was just so it's so vibrant and alive and I was just amazed at how much I enjoyed it and then I of course I went I haven't really dug into it yet but I went back and I grabbed like Love and Theft and a couple of the other old older mid uh, 2000 Dylan albums just to hear them and it's just yeah it's so good I just recommend anyone pick it up well and I was kind of right there with you I mean I'm certainly I know a lot of people who are not fans of Bob Dylan at all I would not classify myself as one of those there's a lot of his stuff that I do like but you know, anytime Bob Dylan releases something, you'll get some critics that just fall over themselves trying to praise it. And so I was really hesitant, especially when I saw in Metacritic that this had, it was a 95 or 96, like a huge approval from music critics. And yet, like you, Kyle, I listened to it and I was blown away. I love the storytelling. I love the songwriting. But it's also different. And it's, it's, it, it, it's not Highway 61 Revisited. It's not Time Out of Mind. It's its own very 21st century Bob Dylan album. And yes, it's a little bit long and rambly at times. What do you expect? It's Bob Dylan. But it, I was just amazed at the songwriting and the storytelling. And, and you know, Kyle, oftentimes when we review classic rockers, it's such a tough thing to do because, you know, you might be talking about, you know, oh, they've once released insert legendary album here. How do you compare to that? Bob Dylan's album, Rough and Rowdy Ways, I would argue you can compare it to some of his best stuff from the 60s and the 90s and early 2000s and even the 70s. You can put it up there. Is it as good as Highway 61 Revisited? Probably not. Right. But having said that, it is of the same caliber. I can confidently say that. If you're a Bob Dylan fan or even if you just like Bob Dylan, listen to this album. 
it's it's great and it is my personal favorite for the year. Right, and we're mentioning other like classic rock artists like Neil Young and Bruce Springsteen uh, that also put out albums this year. Neil Young put out Homegrown, and Bruce Springsteen put out Letter to You uh, earlier in this year. And yeah, can you go? Oh, is Letter to You better than Born to Run? I don't know. Probably not, but it's very good. And same with Neil Young stuff. Like, oh, is anything going to top, you know, Rust Never Sleeps or everybody, Everyone Knows This Is Nowhere? Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. Uh, no. I mean, obviously not. That's just basically impossible at this point. The fact that they're still putting out albums and songs that you want to listen to is just a feat unto itself. On the same day Bob Dylan released Rough and Rowdy Ways, that was June 19th, uh, Neil Young released Homegrown on June 19th. It's kind of not exactly a new album. It's a lot of stuff that was previously recorded from the 70s. It's actually quite good. I'm not a huge Neil Young fan personally, but the album itself, if you like Neil Young, you will probably enjoy it. It's not super long either. I will say this, though. My one point of criticism is there's a couple tracks. There's one, uh, there's one song on there where it's basically three minutes of them of random sound effects and a guy talking. I could understand including that in the album uh, in the 70s when, you know, you're high off of acid or whatever was the drug of choice back then. And you think, yeah, man, let's put this in the album. <laughs> but not when you're looking back at it decades later and say, oh, yeah, let's include this random song that has nothing to do with nothing and isn't even actually a song. Yeah, everyone needs a revolution number nine at the time, but you shouldn't go back now and be like, yeah, let's leave that in. Right. Get rid of it. <laughs> That's my big criticism of, of, of Homegrown. But otherwise, if you're a Neil Young fan... Um, I would I would recommend it. It's actually quite good. So let's go into something a little bit more hard rock-ish and chat about Bruce Springsteen. Now, again, this is someone else who did, like you said, Kyle, Born to Run. He did uh, um, Born in the USA, you know, Nebraska. Like, his albums are absolutely legendary. And Letter to You, well, he released it this year. Is it on that level, no. And I think it's unlikely that at this point Bruce Springsteen would ever release another Born to Run. But it's still very good. He's still got it, Kyle. Right. Even, like, we're talking about all these, like, even even if you don't think this new Bob Dylan album or Bruce Springsteen album or Neil Young album are as good as their old stuff, like, still getting B plus slash A minus of these guys at this age for all of them is is amazing. And it's welcome. And this is, this is also just be bonus time for all these guys like anything more they put out that's good and worth listening to is just should just be taken and said thank you and moved on and not just be like well this isn't very good why'd you release it's like look they're alive they're still making good music just take it just deal with it yeah yeah absolutely and there's a few songs on Letter to You I listened to the album a couple times and there were songs in there where I'm like yeah I recognize this yeah I can get behind this so um, Letter to You Bruce Springsteen hey if you're a Springsteen fan I recommend it it, it, it was very good And finally, Kyle, ACDC released Power Up. 
And what does it sound like? Is it, it a big departure? It, AC, if you let me put it to you this way. If you're a fan of ACDC, you're going to like this album. If you're not a fan of ACDC, chances are... I mean, it's, it's ACDC releasing an album in 2020. Yeah, I don't think anyone's on the fence with ACDC. Like, well, let me hear the new one. Maybe I'll get into it. It's like you, you know, you hear back in black of the first time you get hooked or you don't. That's just the rules. Uh, but, but honestly, though, to answer the question, do they still have it? Even if you're not a huge fan of ACDC, listen to Power Up. They've still got it. They really do. Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, they're getting up there in age. They've been together for close to 50 years, I think. Uh, not all of them. I know Angus Young's been going for that long, but some of them, uh, like Brian Johnson, has been in the whole time, most of the time. Um, but yeah, it's just cool. It, like I said, again, they've been releasing albums for this extended period of time. It's just nice to say thank you to ACDC. All right, well, that's part one of our album reviews for 2020. We'll take a look at more albums that were released and... We'll also have a sneak peek at 2021. You're listening to the Music Year in Review with Tristan Field-Jones and Kyle Milroy on 680-CJOB. The Year in Music on 680 CJOB. This is The Year in Music on 680 CJOB. That's what I Welcome back to the Music Year in Review 2020. I'm Kyle Milroy. And I'm Tristan Field-Jones. We're talking more about some of our favorite albums of 2020. In a minute, we'll also take a look ahead to year 2021. But I want to talk about this artist you're listening to right now. Katie Crutchfield, a.k.a. Waxahachie, has made what is one of the most unexpectedly sunny and delightful albums of the year with St. Cloud. Waxahachie started off as... Basically a solo venture for Crutchfield back in 2012. St. Cloud is now her fifth album. She's gone full-blown Americana with tinges of folk. And Crutchfield, hailing from Alabama, she also puts an easy southern twang on a lot of her songs. Inspired mainly by her efforts and success in getting sober, Waxahachie's St. Cloud is exactly the kind of easy, relaxed but confident folk rock that you can wash away even your worst day with. All right, Kyle, so let's take a look at indie rock. First, one of my favorite Canadian artists right now, Sam Roberts. Uh, I've been a fan of his for years, and this is his first album in four years. And Sam Roberts' career took an interesting turn back in 2014 when, you know, he was known for, you know, Brother Down and Don't Walk Away, Eileen, and Where Have All the Good People Gone, kind of sing-along hard rock and, and some folkish stuff in there too. But then, you know, when things maybe decide to get a little bit stale, he mixed it up and he started incorporating more synthesizers and more drum machines. And, you know, in his latest album, All of Us, he continues along those lines, 
it, immediately, I must admit, it isn't as impactful, perhaps, as his last release, Terraform. There's still some great tunes in there. And, and what is great to see is that, unlike his previous albums, which were much more a kind of new wave, uh, an element kind of a synth pop in there a little bit, he does have some straight-up rock songs in here. The one we're listening to is my favorite track, uh, Take Me Away. But he also mixes that in with some more avant-garde, kind of dancey tunes and using more synthesizers and that sort of thing. So again, I, I did I enjoy it as much as his previous album? No, but there are still some great tunes on there. If you're a Sam Roberts fan, I think you'll be, certainly it's worth checking this out. And again, I love artists that refuse to be stale. And he d does that. Every album is a little bit different. He does something that's different from the previous album and this is very much the case here so again if you are a sam roberts fan absolutely check this out i've had enough of life today meanwhile let me introduce you to another indie rock band these guys are from Scotland, though. This is Biffy Clyro. A friend of mine uh, introduced them to me earlier this year and said, hey, you got to check these guys out. And, you know, they're quite interesting. They take a lot of influence from Foo Fighters for sure, but there's also a prog rock element. There's, you know, sometimes you might be listening to them and you might hear, you know, a glockenspiel in there, or you might hear a string section, or you might hear, uh, you know, a horn section. It, it, like, they are happy to experiment, and even though, yes, they do a lot of uh, hard rock and, again, very Foo Fighters stuff, they don't mind being a little all over the place. And, and this album, A Celebration of Endings, they incorporate all sorts of styles. There's ballads on there, there's hard rock stuff on there, there's kind of almost pop punk uh stuff on there too and it's uh it's great uh, i mean it, it's their best album yet and uh it, it just it has energy and freshness that you don't always hear in rock and again it's so in, in a genre that is so established that's been around for for decades and decades it's tough to be creative in there and yet biffy clyro really succeeds so if you're looking for stuff that's not too hard but it'll surprise you and it'll take you on a bit of a journey i highly recommend biffy clyro a celebration of endings. All right, so apparently I enjoyed a lot of country slash southern rock this year. My next album to highlight is Reunions by Jason Isbell and the 400 Sound. If you dig southern rock, you know Jason Isbell. Before branching out to write and perform solo, Jason was a member of Drive By Truckers during their creative peak from 2003 to 2007. Recorded pre-COVID, but featuring many bits of songwriting steeped in current day turmoil. Songs like What Have I Done to Help and Be Afraid hit even harder than Isbell could have originally foreseen. Isbell's backing band, The 400 Sound, is impeccable. The songs are all top-notch, including the closing number, Letting You Go, a bittersweet meditation on the joys and challenges of parenthood. Jason Isbell always puts out excellent albums. This might be his best, Time will tell, but Reunions by Jason Isbell of the 400 Sound is on my list. And finally, let's wrap this up with 
uh, two albums actually released by Nine Inch Nails. You know, Kyle, this is fascinating to me. Nine Inch Nails, which was mostly Trent Reznor until recently Atticus Ross became a permanent member of the band. But these are the guys that are known for recording Closer, one of the most explicit songs to be played on air. And even the, you know, censored version may raise a few eyebrows. And yet somehow Nine Inch Nails ended up having huge influence in country and in country rap. And also, it's worth noting, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are scoring the latest Pixar movie. I mean, how how many artists or bands have such a repertoire that's so vast? I mean, that's incredible to me, Kyle. Right. It's such a, just a weird journey from... I remember getting into Nine Inch Nails in the mid-90s when Closer and the Downward Spiral album came out, having that on tape and just realizing how just sort of industrial metal and just abrasive it was. From going to that to, like you said, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross... Um, scoring uh, Soul, the latest Pixar movie, and also scoring the latest David Fincher movie, Mank, in addition to several other David Fincher movies. And who'd have thought 25 years ago that Trent Reznor would be three quarters of the way to an EGOT? He's got an Emmy, he's got a Grammy, and he's got an Oscar. He just needs a Tony for the big four there. But that's just... I'd have never believed he won win any... even a Grammy, let alone an Emmy and an Oscar. And it's just... Um, it just shows the journey that he's been on and then he's been in the the limelight for so long that he's been able to sort of reinvent himself uh, in his second career scoring movies. These albums known as Ghost 5 together and Ghost 6 Locusts and the first one is much more ambient, some quiet piano melodies but it's um, it's surprisingly, it's refreshing it's there's kind of an air of quiet optimism in there almost as if while the world goes to hell, there's still something to hold on to. That's kind of the feel I get from it. Locust is a lot darker and and, and much more challenging. Listen, it is very avant-garde and experimental, I will say this. But again, it's fascinating to to me just hearing that, again, the band that made Closer is now making ambient music. And, And if you're interested in checking them out, these two albums can be downloaded for free on their website or you can find them on YouTube. I mean, Trent Reznor has a habit of releasing a ton of music for free or, or allowing people to do all sorts of things, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I think uh, Nine Inch Nails and Radiohead were the first bands to kind of do that, just say like, hey, pick your price, come to my website, download it, maybe give me some money if you feel like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so that, again, another one of my favorite albums of the year, Ghosts 5, Ghost 6 by Nine Inch Nails. If you're a little bit scared of it, Ghosts 5 is definitely accessible. Ghost 6 is a little bit more of a challenge. Can't emphasize that enough. I guess that's kind of a look at our albums, Kyle. Um, What is there to look forward to in 2021? I'm sure a lot, especially since the pandemic should be under control by then. Should. Let's just knock on a bunch of wood if we find it. Um, Yeah, I don't want to make too many big prognostications because you never know with the, the year that we had. I don't know what I am looking forward to most but i definitely want to see more concerts i'm you know i don't go to see as many concerts as i would normally like to in a given year um i know rage against the machine and run the jewels were touring and they were scheduled to come to winnipeg last spring and they're going to come back this upcoming spring in 2021 and i don't have a ticket but i might have to see if i can find my way to getting a ticket because that's going to be an incredible show and especially just being able to be out with people again 
It's going to be excellent. And I want to look to see if the War on Drugs will be touring because they have that live album that came out and there's rumors that they're going to be having a proper studio album coming out in 2021. So any chance I get to see them, even if it's, you know, eight, 10 hour drive away, I'm going to make that drive. And you know, Kyle, for the upcoming year, uh, there are a few things I am looking forward to. Foo Fighters are going to be releasing a new album in early February. So that's not too far away. That I am... I, I, I mean, Foo Fighters is one of my all-time favorite bands. So yes, I'll take it, especially nowadays. A couple other bands of note. You mentioned War on Drugs. Might be, and that'd be great too. But uh, I saw, in terms of alt-rock anyway, Garbage, Weezer, uh, and some heavy hitters like Megadeth and Alice Cooper. So, you know, if you're, if you're big into... Um, the rock scene or even the metal scene. I think there's a lot to look forward to there as well. And hopefully the resumption of concerts. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I it's been a while since I've been to a live show. I don't go to them super often, but um, I'm feeling the itch again. And, and I think uh, uh, when it's safe to do so, you'll probably see me at a concert venue of some sort. Who knows? Speaking of concerts, we're going to play you out with some War on Drugs from their latest live album. And again, I hope to be experience this in person not just through my headphones but uh 2020 was a heck of a year tristan let's hope for a little less uh let's hope for a little less excitement in 2021 let's say well with that i'm tristan field jones thank you so much for listening to our music year in review yes everyone i appreciate you all listening uh thank you so so very much and hope for a better 2021 keep on rocking